Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of the All Around Horsewoman podcast. This is Jamie, get to know my voice. And this is Erin, get to know my voice. We had the privilege of talking to such a wonderful human being today. Her name is Katie Proctor. She is the face behind Equine Feather Horsemanship. She's located in Gilbert, Arizona and is an instructor for Equine Connections um, right here in Gilbert where I live. And we just talked to her about her horsemanship journey, some um, ways that she works with her own personal horse, um, lots of good things. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. We're so excited to have you guys listen to our first interview, so let's just jump right in. Well, thanks for being our first guest ever. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah, you so thank much you. for having me. So pumped. We just want to get to know you. So um, if you want to maybe share your horsemanship background and where you came from and all that good stuff, we'd love to hear. We'd love to start there. Feel yeah. Like that's a good foundation. <laughs> yeah. So like how you started with horses and what, you, what got you into horses and all that, if you would want to okay. share that. Yeah, so um, starting way back from the beginning, I've always been obsessed with horses. Like, I grew up being that kid who was like, Mom, I want a horse, I want a horse. Um, and I never started riding or anything until I was a teenager. But um, up until that point, I would check out library books and um, I would learn as much as I could about horses just through, um, you know, what I could like online and through books. Um, but when I was about 14, I started volunteering at a therapy barn. Um, so that's, um, you know, like a typical therapy barn they're doing, um, sorry, I'm like, I'll jump no, you're good. <laughs> that's how we are too. <laughs> just like, I start talking, I'm like, um, um, so anyways, I started volunteering my Saturdays there and I was terrified of horses when I very first saw one in the flesh. Like I was so pumped because my whole <laughs> life I was like, I want to be around horses. I want to be a horse trainer. And I thought I'm going to go to this barn and it's going to be great. And then the horse swishes tail and I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> But I eventually got more comfortable around horses and I learned a lot of the basics at the therapy barn, like grooming, handling, that kind of stuff. Um, and then about a year into it, I started taking lessons at a hunter jumper barn. Um, and this is all on the East coast in Virginia. Um, that's oh, where cool. I um, so I started doing hunter jumper lessons and I got my first horse about a year after I started riding. Um, and so that's where I was really able to really kick off, um, my equestrian skills, I would call it, because I could go out to the barn whenever I want. I ride like pretty much every day if I could. And um, I really loved jumping. So that was my whole thing is um, I would do jumping and eventually eventing started catching my eye, which it doesn't seem Ooh. to be as much of a thing out here in Arizona. Yeah. Um, I know of one eventing barn. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so you'll have to tell me which one, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on the East Coast, it's a lot different. Eventing is everywhere. And I just really badly wanted to do that. Um, so right after high school, I got what's called a working student position at an eventing facility. And um, that's where I learned like the bulk of um, my like technical writing skills. 
Um, so I did that for a while and then I got out of courses and I moved out here to Arizona. Um, and I went a couple years without doing anything with horses. I kind of took a little hiatus. Um, mainly I think because- we all have that stage yeah. where like we take a couple years off and then like, crap, like I miss it. I need to go yeah. back in. <laughs> yeah. And I missed it so much. Like horses were always on my mind. And the reason I got out of it was because, um, of my experience at this eventing facility. It's like, once you mix competition and a lot of other things, like I'll go more into the story later, but it was just really disheartening to see people put themselves before the horses yeah Um, and I was like you know this isn't the life for me because I'm not willing to um you know put winning above like the well-being of the horse so this isn't my life like I'm done with it but then I rediscovered horse therapy out here um and in the past couple years I went I kind of like started over I started volunteering once a week on the weekend and um now I'm teaching full-time and yeah it's it's really great that's That's awesome that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one thing that we all, all three of us have in common is we all, we've all like either volunteered or worked at the therapy barn mm-hmm. Yeah, out here. And that's cool. Yeah. I love that. I, and that's where we met. I met both of you through therapeutic riding barns, which is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when did you get Pave? So tell us about Pave. Okay, so oh my gosh, Pave is the love of my life. She's amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can see your eyes are like glowing. <laughs> I, I just love sharing her story because it's so like everything just happened perfectly. So just to give some background on her, she's 13 years old and she's a thoroughbred Hanoverian cross. Oh. Um, and I've wow. never measured her, but I'm guessing she's like 16 one or 16 two hands high. She's pretty tall. Um, and she is very, very smart. So basically how I got her and how she ended up in my life is that um, we just moved on to the farm that I'm at now in November. Yeah. And how they was boarded here, because this was an established boarding facility forever. Oh, it was. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so when we moved on to property, we already had a handful of boarders since they've been here for a oh, while. Interesting. Yeah. So, um... So Pavia was trained in hunter jumpers when she was younger and she had the same owner for a while, but her owner had some difficulties in her life and basically let her be a pasture pet for like five-ish years. Um, And she never came out to see her. So Pavia got really skinny and she was unhandled and she was a wreck (laughs) for quite a while. Um, And eventually one of the boarders here got ownership of Pavia. so when we moved on to pro- onto the new property, um, I met the new owner. Her name is Sandy. Um, she wouldn't mind me sharing her name. So Sandy was working with Pave, and she gave me permission to kind of take over and see what I thought of her. Um, and I started working with her. And Pave definitely like gave herself a bad reputation of being like the crazy horse that nobody <laughs> wants to touch. <laughs> like um, no one, like still to this day, even though she's better, like no one's like, wow, can't wait to go work with Pave, you know? Right. <laughs> that's like, wow, that's funny. With her. <laughs> um, but the cool part about the story is that I started working with her. I didn't ride her because I saw her being lunged and she threw the biggest bucks like I've ever seen you're like um not getting on that horse yeah, no, I saw her bucking and rearing on the lunch line and I'm like hmm like I don't know about this um but I started riding her and she I mean she had the foundation of training but it was almost irrelevant because she went so long without really being touched or handled um and 
I just started working with her and I fell in love with her. And one day I was riding her in the round pen and Sandy came up to me and she was just making conversation. Um, and she was like, have you ever thought about getting a horse? And I said, yeah, like I've actually been wanting a horse of my own for a while now. I'm just waiting for the right situation to come up. Um, and she's like, well, if you were to get a horse, what kind of horse would you want? And I basically just started describing Pave because <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I want something that's third, like more on the thoroughbred side, like tall and lean and athletic and smart and all these things. And um, she looked at me and she was like, well, I've been talking to my husband and we kind of feel like God made us the middleman to pass her along to you. And I started, beautiful. Like I started crying. I had to get off of Pave because we were both just crying and hugging and oh. it was like so beautiful. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, you're giving me like the most beautiful, smart, intelligent horse I've ever wow. met. Like, I want to cry. You I want to know. Like, I want, I'm like tearing up right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I look back at it and it was like, that moment was so just powerful. And she's totally right. Like everything just lined up perfectly. Like Poppy's been at this barn for like years and years and years. And she just so happened to like get ownership of Pave. And then I just so happened to come onto the property at the right time and, you know, be in the right place. Um, that sounds like so, a fairy tale. I'm, I'm like, I'm like kind of tearing up. It's really beautiful. And my journey with her has been so crazy and up and down because like I said, she was, I would describe her as a more difficult horse. Um, she's mm -hmm. very hot, very like, I, I don't like the word crazy. What it really is, is she's really in tune with the things around her and she's very reactive. Yeah. Um, but just through our time together, now she's so chill. Like I started using her in equine assisted learning session with five-year-olds. Oh, I saw that. That's so cool. I saw that. Yeah. I saw your pose. Yeah. yeah. And it's just amazing looking at her and like seeing her, you know, back in November, freaking like jumping in the air because something two miles down the road moved. And now <laughs> like a five-year-old's grooming her and she's falling asleep. Like it's yeah, cute. Awesome. That's funny. Cause that reminds me of Gideon. When I first got him, I would have really never used him in lessons ever. And mm -hmm. to see like the change from, you know, when you're consistent when, with them and you stick with them and you understand how they're feeling and how, you know, what you're doing affects mm -hmm. them. It just changes everything. And it's like yeah. the trust between you and them. It's like unbreakable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful to watch that connection form and see a horse transform, you know, just through consistency. Like you said, I think that's the biggest thing. Is yeah. Them. They appreciate it. Totally. So when did you get her again? I got her in November of last oh, okay. year. Um, so almost a year. Yeah. That was like really quick because you guys moved there. And I want to talk about barnyard and equine connections in a second. But so you guys moved to the new location in November. Did mm -hmm. you, was that the beginning of November? And then you got her at like the end or the middle? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, it happened. Like everything out here is happening so fast. <laughs> Girl, I, I feel you. Same over here. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Same. It's great. It's such a, it's so wonderful. So tell us about, um, Tell us about Barnyard Equine and then and Equine Connections and how they work together, how they're separate, where okay. you fit in all of that. Okay, yeah. So um, they're so they're two different entities. Barnyard Equine is the nonprofit. That's where we do the horse therapy, mm -hmm. and then Equine Connections is just a regular business, and that's where we do equine assisted learning and regular horseback riding lessons. And okay. cool. Oh, cool. And you guys do both English and Western. 
lessons? Yeah, we do English and Western. Um, I, like I said, I grew up doing English writing, mostly like kind of jumpers, some dressage. So that's what I'm used to. Um, mm-hmm. But I throw a Western saddle on the horse and I say I teach Western. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah, it's like, it's so intermingled. I feel like both, you can take attributes from both. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's such a mixed world. It's crazy. Right. And you were working, was there a horse I saw that you had you've posted a couple of times about there's one horse that was like mainly a western guy and then you've been working english yeah diamond Diamond. um so he has an interesting story too he was a cow horse um he was used for roping and it was just really really hard on his body so he was donated to us because they thought he would never be sound enough again um but we were able to rehab him and get him sound for light riding and um but yeah so under saddle like I think this is my theory I don't know a lot about his background but he's so tense especially when you start asking things of him if you start like expecting him to like perform a certain way he gets really really worked up Um, and so we've had to kind of pull him back away from certain therapy clients because if they're anxious or if they're tense in their body he really feeds off of that oh yeah Um, so the work I'm doing with him is just to try to teach him how to like stretch down and relax and like take that deep breath um so yeah I think dressage is a really good way to do that I mean even cowboy dressage would really we love dressage over here yeah yeah That's super fun. So yeah. what is your kind of philosophy when it comes to training a horse? Because we know we do, you do clicker training with Pave, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, so I do a mix of different trainings. Um, it was funny. I was just thinking about this and it's like there, I've met so many different horse people and I've worked with so many different trainers. It's like, I'm kind of a mix of all these little pieces I've gotten. But that's the yeah. best though. <laughs> like you have, you know, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like mix and match too. Not everything is going to work the same with each horse you work with. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like philosophy wise, like what I'm looking for is softness, no matter what discipline I'm writing, no matter what I'm doing with the horse, I'm looking for the horse to be soft. Um, Definitely. Just, you know, like I'm sure you guys have experience with horses where you think something and they do it. Mm -hmm. um that's what I'm going for and the more I work with horses the more I realize that like it's all a mind game it's like I'm I'm not doing anything I'm not teaching the horse anything I'm connecting our minds to each other and through that comes the training right that's powerful um so I think I think the biggest thing is like mindset um you know when you have a negative mindset that's when you get horses who buck and rear and bite and when you have a positive mindset that's when you have horses who are soft and sweet and um like they they do they're like more willing right yeah yeah willing exactly um it's funny you say that because I had a really uh, an interesting experience with my new mare bell and I like she is the most like if I'm feeling a certain way she mirrors it to me like if I'm grumpy she's grumpy and if I'm happy she's happy and it's like mm-hmm. no in between and that the first time that I went to ride her it was like right after I had just lost one of my last mare and I was so upset that day I was like I am sad because Purdy's not here and this is a new horse and you're not Purdy, but I'm going to try you out. But I was like, so negative. And the second I sat mm. on her, she threw me and oh, I was like, wow. and I was so, I mean, I just stopped. Cause I was like, okay, obviously that was not your, like what, I mean, I literally sat on her and she just said, bye, I don't want you on me. Get your negative, you know, energy away. Um, 
but she's really changed my mindset on that specifically of like being in a positive mindset. Like if you go into a ride and think, oh, this is like, I really hope you don't spook today or I really hope you don't do this today. Like that's probably going to happen because you're thinking negatively. Like if you go in right. and say, this is going to be a great ride. You're going to, you know, do this, this, and this, and we're going to have fun. And it just changes everything. It's changed a lot with my writing that happened in, in February. And so I love that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, that reminded me of a similar situation I had with Pave that really changed, that really shifted my mindset towards her. And really that's what introduced me to clicker training is we have this wooden bridge on the farm and it's just like a little trail obstacle. Yeah. I was trying to get Pave to walk over it and she refused. And I was using the traditional natural horsemanship or pressure and release method of like pulling, like I'm going to pull until you walk over this bridge and then I'll release. Right. And what ended up happening that I've never experienced before is she reared up like like feet in the air and she landed and I was like, okay, well that was an extreme reaction. Um, but we're going to try again. We're going to try again. And so I do the same thing. I'm tugging, tugging, tugging on the halter and rope and she rears up and lands. And I'm like, okay, that was the second time she did this. And, um, maybe it was just like a weird fluke thing. Let's try one more time. And the third time she reared up over my head and came down. And then it was like a complete ego death. Like, like I, I sat down I sat down and I stared at her and I'm like, wow, I really messed up. Mm-hmm. I messed up big time. Like there is no reason that I should put a horse at such a point of overwhelm that they rear up three times with me. And it's like, for me, it was a really difficult time to, ad- or difficult thing to admit. Cause I'm like, oh, look at me working with this crazy dangerous horse and doing one <laughs> on her. And then she's rearing with me because I'm asking too much of her. And so, um, that's how I found clicker training is I'm like, I put her away and I'm like, I need to like reevaluate my life here because I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what I did wrong and I don't know how to change my ways because I was so used to pressure and release. And I was like, well, what horse, like if I had a horse trainer, who would it be? And what would they tell me to do? And like, I don't, I've not, I've not connected with a trainer out here before. So I went online and there's a couple of Instagram accounts where, um, I I like their training philosophy and Mm. what I found that they have in common is that they do clicker training. Um, and so if you don't know what clicker training is for anyone listening is, Oh, I have, I don't know what clicker training is. (laughs) (laughs) So you can tell me. (laughs) Okay, cool. So, um, it's also known as positive reinforcement training and basically, um, the whole foundation of it is that, um, you ask a horse for a behavior and when they perform it, you make a sound like a click and that signals that they did the right thing. And then you treat. Oh, so like training and I've, I've done, Oh, so it's the same as like dogs. Cause yeah. I, I think I've, I've done that with my dog. Yep. Yeah. It's the same as with dogs. And um, so it's pressure and release. It's like, you're, you're giving them a negative thing. And then when they stop, right. you release. And then with positive reinforcement training, it's like, if they don't perform that behavior, they don't get punished. Like you don't put pressure on them. Um, you just reward them when they do do the thing. Gotcha. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. It goes a lot deeper than that. But what I found it to do is it gave my horse a voice to tell me that she does or does not want to do something. And then um, it it just allows like for a deeper form of communication, in my opinion, because now I can like see when she's at her max, when she's at her threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it just like it adds consent to what I'm doing with her which I think is huge yeah, um, that's super cool yeah yeah so I really like it I've been practicing it since March of this year is when that happened um and it's just amazing how much it's like transformed my relationship with her and also with all horses I don't have every horse here clicker trained but um I have a few of them and it's just like I just feel like the connection between me and the horses that I clicker train with is a lot deeper than it is where I just use pressure and release how many horses are there really really cool um on property we have anywhere from 20 to 23 horses just depending on who's here and who's not um but part of the program about half of them are part of the program that's so cool are they all so sorry I'm backtracking just a touch Uh, (laughs) so um I didn't realize that equine connections did EAL so EAL is with equine connections and then um therapeutic riding is with barnyard Mm -hmm. do you do you teach with both or you do just teach with equine connections I just teach with equine connections um I used to volunteer with barnyard but since the lesson program blew up I'm not even really volunteering with them anymore which is sad I miss it but but (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, how many lessons do you have a week normally um normally depending on the week anywhere from 20 to 30. That's awesome is it just you or do you have another instructor with you? Right now it's just me but that's because Virginia the barn owner was pregnant and she's taking care of her newborn yeah I know he's adorable um she started to jump back into lessons um but it's mainly me and her yeah. That's so cool I definitely want to have her on at some point too because she's she's so cool he's the coolest yeah and I want to we want to come visit too if that's possible that would be really yeah absolutely so you live on site right yes um so we have a barn and I think back in like the 60s or 70s they cleared out the hayloft and made it into an apartment so that's so cool yeah to like oversee the turnout in the arena and all that yeah yeah from my kitchen window I can see the big arena I can see the grass field and then under me there's three stalls in the feed room so there's always farm sounds and crazy stuff I love that it's so cool like seriously um like I've been dreaming of this since I was since I was conscious like I wanted this (laughs) since I was conscious (laughs) (laughs) and here we are it took it took many 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 years to get here like I started riding 10 years ago and here we are 10 years later that's so cool can yeah, you see awesome. Kave from your window? Is she like in a stall um, where you can see I, her? If I, if I have like have my face pressed up against the window, like looking <laughs> into the corner, I can see her. <laughs> I'm sure I would do that if like my horse was there. I'd just say, hey, buddy. Um, the there is a stall in the arena that I used to have her in, but that because I liked her there because I could literally look out my window and see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day she got spooked and jumped out of it. And I didn't oh, want wow. her to jump metal fences anymore. Um <laughs> Wow. Dang, she's athletic because that uh when I came to see you guys last, I that's where she was. And that's a tall, that's a tall fence for her to jump. Uh, yeah, I'm grateful I didn't see a couple other people saw her jump it and she didn't stick the landing. Oh and gosh. She wasn't injured. Like thank God she was not injured. But like after that, I was like, you know, I'm not gonna go out there and bubble wrap her, but I'm gonna move her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are I you planning that. to like show her? anytime soon or what are kind of your like goals with Pave 
Okay, yeah. So I like the question about the goals um, because I, so her, her whole journey, like I said, it's been up and down. I wasn't riding her for a few months because she had an injury in her neck and I wasn't sure what it was because I had our body worker come out and he said it was arthritis and um, like you could like actually feel this like, um, like tenderness in her neck from it. Mm. And so I gave her time off and I spent that time like just conditioning her, getting her built up. And then I rode her again. And it was like two rides after I rode her, she was like perfectly fine, sound, whatever. And then two rides after riding with a saddle, she went right back to like being in a lot of pain. Okay. Um, so I actually got the saddle fitter out and it turned out that it was like a saddle fit issue. And now she's doing so much better. Um, but my goal with her is to just enjoy her. Like, I don't want to compete. Like yeah. I would love to event, but she's been deemed, um, like I shouldn't be jumping her because of yeah. her. Neck. Um, which is like disappointing for me in a way, but then in, a, in another way, it's like, now I'm challenged to like find joy through other other disciplines like yeah. um a big goal of mine that seems kind of silly to some is I want to teach her how to drive a cart yes I am all <laughs> that about so driving cool. that's so yeah. fun um so I've been teaching her how to drive on the ground I don't have a cart or a harness so I'm like whenever I get those you know we'll make it work um I'm teaching her just basic dressage like I want to one day have her trailering and I want to go on trail rides um but yeah, I mean, I just like, I just want her to chill out to the point that I can use her in the lesson program. And I want her to be chill enough that I can like trust her to like bring her off property and like explore the desert. Um, that's, that's really just what I want to do with her. I love that. Yeah. I love, I like, that. I love having, cause that's kind of my, my gears with Gideon are kind of similar where I'm like, I just want to enjoy you and, and, you know, love you and take care of you and, and then grow with you, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really special. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, cause you said into the desert, would you mind, um, sharing your story that happened with, um, was it Annie mm -hmm. when you went on that trail ride? Yeah. I would love for you to share this. Cause I just, oh you, are, you are so cool for, <laughs> I just, anyways, please share the story. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about the story where I break my arm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to clarify okay this is my first time breaking an arm on a horse <laughs> so um Annie is a very special horse that we have she's Virginia's personal horse and we got her shortly after moving in um we know someone who just buys a lot of horses from auction and rehabilitates them and sends them off to good homes and she was given to us um and we will our goal was to use her in a lesson program and she's a Western horse through and through. Like she's built like a tank and you get on her and she just gallops. Like you, <laughs> like there's no warming her up. You go and gallop and then you warm her up. <laughs> um, like God forbid if there's barrels in the arena, you're going barrel racing. Oh my gosh. Um, like I gotta get my zoomies out. <laughs> exactly. So she's not in our lesson program. <laughs> and um, so well, I've, I've actually started incorporating her like on the lead line, like in the round pen, but, yeah. um, but anyway, so that's just like her in a nutshell is she's like a bullet train um, and she's very stocky, but she's really good on the trail. And so um, it was a few months ago, it was like, I think back in March or April, this happened. 
Um, I was just out on the farm by myself. It was a beautiful evening and I got done early. And I was like, you know what, as a reward, like I haven't ridden in a while, I'm gonna take her for a trail ride. And she was like, she was so good. Like I went out on the trail, I'm like in my shorts and like, I'm not really in riding gear. Um, think I had a helmet, but I didn't bring my cell phone. And I was like, well, I don't really need a cell phone because there's so many people in the neighborhood all the time. Like I'm never alone out here. So that was my mindset. Um, you know, I'm like nervous to hear the rest of this story now. <laughs> um, and so I take her through the neighborhood. I take her down. Um, what's the road? It's um, Williamsfield, uh-huh. like down a busy road and she's not batting an eye. She's just chilling. And we get back in the neighborhood and this is like, I was probably riding her for like an hour, just at the walk, like casual, loose rain. And we get back in the neighborhood and she starts jigging because she knows that the farm is coming up. Yeah. Like whatever. Um, she got a little bit excited, but it wasn't anything crazy. And we're turning the last corner home and we're walking, turning a corner, but we're on pavement and she has shoes and she just slipped and went like splat on the pavement. No. With- yeah and it was like one second i'm up there just walking and the next second i'm like tumbling down the road um and like by the grace of god my feet got out of those stirrups and we rolled opposite directions of each other thank god um, she got were you wearing and- a helmet yes i was wearing a helmet oh thank god <laughs> right I was wearing a helmet and she got up and she ran away from me and like there's busy roads like everywhere like every exit of this neighborhood is like one major busy road and so I tried to run after her but after one step my whole body like like uh tensed up and I was like oh I can't run and like I said, this is a busy neighborhood. I'm never not alone. And I'm like hobbling along. I didn't know anything was broken. Um, but I could like feel that like intense, like whiplash kind of feeling in my body. And, um, she ran straight back to her stall, thank God. And so I grabbed her and I'm kind of brushing it off. Like I had the next day was Saturday and Saturdays are like my big, like busy lesson day. So I'm like, all right, I'll just like take a cold shower, take a Tylenol. I'll be fine. And, um, I tried to take her saddle off and it was like, I got it halfway off and then my body gave up on me and the saddle just dropped down. And I was like, okay, that's understandable. Like I'm kind of shaken up right now. The saddle's heavy. And then I go to try to turn on the hose to rinse her off. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't even turn on the hose. Um, Cause at that point, like I had, when I fell off, I braced with my hands. And so my, my thumb was all like inflamed and swollen. Um, and then I tried to go upstairs to open my door and I like, couldn't even get my door open. I had to like use my elbow and my forearm to like push the door open. And I sat down and I took a breath and I was like, all right, let me just like check in with my body. Cause I completely forgot to do that for the past hour, you know, after falling off of this giant horse onto concrete, yeah. it didn't occur to me to be like, Hmm, how does my body feel? <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like I was just making like I took her out to the round pen and like lunched her to make sure she was okay. She didn't have a scratch on her body, not a single scratch. She was fine. Of course. Like, <laughs> um, and so um I had broken my arm a few years earlier by getting bucked off and um 
I like brace with my arms in a similar fashion. And so that's when like, I couldn't like move my arm anymore and I couldn't move my thumb cause it was sprained. And um, then I was like, okay, I should probably go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, so, so I went to the doctor and it was an okay experience. They said that my left somewhere in the elbow was broken, um, but it wasn't a bad break. It was just like a small like hairline fracture. Um, but the cool part about this story is that at the time I was working full-time at the farm and almost full-time at the grocery store. Yeah. And so the grocery store told me like sex to suck, but come back when you get better. And I said, okay, cool. Um, and the doctor told me it was going to be like a 12 week recovery process. So I'm like, you know, that means I won't be back for 12 weeks. And they're like, you know, they put me on a leave of absence is what it's called. Yeah. Um, and so at first I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, half of my income just poof, gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not like horses are the most reliable, consistent thing in the world. Totally. Um, so I went to Virginia and I was like, well, I'm free. You got me 24 seven. And throughout the next few months, we just packed the lesson schedule. Um, and now I'm very soon putting in my two weeks notice so that I can do this full time. Yay. Nice. So, so that was kind of like a blessing in disguise. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I keep saying breaking my arm earlier this year was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> I'm so grateful for it. Thank you, Annie. I love you so much. (laughs) I feel like you you said in your story that you have broken your arm from another fall. I feel like every time I hear people tell me about their fall stories, it's always the same things that they hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I always hurt my hips. So it's funny that you would hurt your arms both times. But thank you for sharing. I just think that- Yeah, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) And I knew that that's kind of how you, like how this- has brought you to where you are now. So that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. And it's funny looking back because definitely at first I was like freaking out, but then it's like once I surrendered and I was like, okay, things happen for a reason and I'm not here to like manipulate how things fall into place. I'm just here right. to experience it. That's when I could like take a deep breath and see, oh, this is a good thing. Like, you know, it was supposed to happen. Yay. So cool. I love that. Um, I also, so it's so funny. Zoom just, it just like put up a thingy and it was like, we're going to extend this past 40 minutes. I'm like, it's already I saw that too. Minutes. Did you see that? Yeah. You see it, Katie. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, wow. oh, that's crazy. How has it been so long? <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I didn't even realize, but it's great. Um, I want you to tell us about um, your YouTube channel and yeah. your blog and all that good stuff. Okay, cool. So um, going way back, I started my YouTube channel and a blog back in 2011. Oh, wow. Um, a long time been ago. a while. Yeah. So I wish there was like a cool meaning behind the name. I mean, I like horses and I like birds, so equine feather. Um, but if I can be completely honest, I got to give credit where credit's due. And there is this <laughs> company called Wild Horse Feathers. And I wanted my blog name to be similar to that. Um, but I didn't want to like copy it. So <laughs> equine feather came. That's how it, that's how it was born. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Um, do you guys remember Tumblr? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tumblr was all the way. Way back. Throwing it way back. I had an equestrian Tumblr and that's where oh. like I started blogging and like posting pictures and videos and stuff. Um, and that's really what gave me like a taste for like the potential behind social media. Um, yeah. because I hopped on Tumblr when 
the niche of horse blogging wasn't big. Um, so I was one of the like original like horse tumblers. Oh, um, that's cool. So I just kept the name Equine Feather from that because I, I really liked it. Um, now it's Equine Feather Horsemanship and I've abbreviated it even more to EQF Horsemanship because yeah. I feel like Equine Feather Horsemanship would be this long, long <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, so my blog and YouTube channel, basically I post a lot of tutorials. I post a lot of like day in the life, like what the equestrian lifestyle is like. Um, and I aim my content towards beginners. And the reason I do that is because um, I know how overwhelming it can be when you're new to horses and you go online looking for content. And there's a lot of content, but a lot of it is really advanced where you have to have this previous experience to be able to apply the content to your life. Yeah. Um, and I really want people to come to me and be like, I'm new or I'm a beginner or I've never been around horses before and your stuff makes sense. I right. Like yeah, um, I love that. And I, so I like to kind of form it around that because beginners can get something out of it, but then it's like these concepts, like no matter where you are at your horsemanship journey, um, you can apply it to yourself as well in your horses. Um, so yeah. And I really like creating community. I like forming those connections. Like, you know, you and me, we haven't even met yet, but we, right. Um, <laughs> so but I feel like I know you. Yeah, exactly. And it's the coolest thing. Um, you know, like getting messages saying like, I really like your stuff and I like your philosophy and I tried this with my horse and this happens, you know, it's, it's really cool. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, different opinions about social media being good or bad. And I think it's what you make of it. And I'm just trying to create like a very positive, like friendly atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. That's I so love cool. that. <laughs> um, so if people want to find you, oh yeah, give us your Instagram handle and then all your blog and your YouTube, like how so everything is at EQF Horsemanship. Oh, perfect. That makes oh, it cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything is uniform. At so Instagram, YouTube. Do you have your own website? Yeah. So I'm on, for social media, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. Oh, wow. Um, you got it all. <laughs> I got it all. And then my, my website is equinefeather.us. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So before, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. go. <laughs> you got I was going to say, before we let you go, there's one question that we would really like to ask you. And that is what is one thing that you would like to see change in the equine industry? <laughs> Get oh, All right. Yeah. So, um, throw in a deep question in there for you. I love it. I love it. So I think the biggest thing I want to see change um, is the culture, like in general, but also going more specifically um, the working student culture. Um, so have you guys had working student positions before? Like, have you? I have. Yes. But okay. I know, I'm excited internships. to talk about this. <laughs> I've had internships, but not like at like a horse internship. Okay. Um, so it's basically an internship. Um, where a working student position from what my experience was, is that you trade your labor in it for writing so like you go and you do farm work and then in turn you get lessons from professionals um so a lot of professional inventors offer working student positions it's like live on site um but basically like you are working from sun up to sundown plus an extra five hours 
before and after that. Um, Like you're working your ass off Mm -hmm. and you're exhausted and burnt out and tired. And it's just like, it's a very toxic uh, environment to be in. And I'm not just speaking from my experience. I've talked to a lot of other equestrians who experienced this and they either um, got bitter and numb and went with it or they quit and they did what I did and they threw their hands up and were like, this is not for me. Um, and I just think it's like, it's crazy that we expect our horses to be these athletes that are well-fed and well-rested and well-respected. And then we treat the people around them like they're disposable and like they can just go and go and go all day long. Um, and then just going off of the culture, there's a lot of alcohol and drug abuse that's justified like within the barn. Like, oh, wow. ha ha, just drinking at 10 a.m. every day because I'm an equestrian. Like, no, it's because you're an alcoholic. And, right. You know, um, like there, there's just a lot of things like that. There's a lot of um, like verbal abuse. Like I've heard of physical abuse being involved in these positions as well. And it's just like, for what? No way. Um, like it's, it's crazy because I do firmly believe you can have a very well-balanced life being in any type of professional with horses. You can work with your horses and you can also have a life outside of a horse like you need that. Yeah. Um, and with the working student position, it's like taboo if you're doing anything outside of horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, I feel like it's so outdated. Um, I feel like it really needs to change. And it's like a lot of young girls who have aspirations to like get to the top with horses, go in these positions and they just take the like it's like uh exploitation I think is a better word for it than abuse like they get exploited because yeah. they have this burning desire to make it with horses and then um and then you're just left out with like burnt out individuals you yeah. know uh, have you ever thought about having your own like working student um position so you could change that within yes yes absolutely um that's the thing is like there's that whole thing that you need to be the change that you wish to see exactly Um, and yeah that's something I've been thinking about often is like I really want to like bring on a student and like have a healthy working student position where I can say like yes we're going to do hard work with the horses and then you get to rest and then you get to go off for the weekends you get to go live your life and then take care of yourself exactly like taking care of yourself you know like you have you guys seen all those memes where it's like my horse is on 10 million supplements but I just had Doritos for lunch yes (laughs) I've seen that (laughs) it's like why why are we expecting so much out of our horses and then nothing out of ourselves yeah no yeah totally to you Jamie with yeah and that's where like my business came from like my business idea came from too it's like why are you conditioning your horse and doing all these trainings and athletic training with your horse but you're like you said eating Doritos for lunch and like grabbing fast food every day not like conditioning your own body like if you expect something from your horse if you expect your horse to work at like a high level you need to be working at a high level too you know what I mean so that's why like I created you know my business but Mm-hmm. that'll be for next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so important that's why I'm really excited to hear more about your business thanks yeah that will that will be um an episode soon yeah we'll Yay. do a whole thing on both of our yes <laughs> both of our, our businesses 
Well, thank you so much, Katie. It was so good to talk to you. We definitely want to ride with you soon. Yes, please. Absolutely. Either we come out or you come out to us. Yeah, either way. We would love that. We'll definitely stay in touch because I know it's kind of crazy matching schedules up with each other, but it's going to happen. (laughs) Someday soon. (laughs) Even though it's 3 a.m. or 10 p.m., we're going to make it work. (laughs) No, the life of an equestrian, right? Literally. Especially an equestrian in Arizona where it's 1.15 outside in the middle of the day, and it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yay. Well, thanks so much, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much. Stay tuned for next week's episode with one of the Compton Cowboys. We are super duper pumped for this interview. We can't wait to share it with you guys.